I say rejoice. Somebody ought to put your hands together and give him a great praise tonight. Woo! I dare you to turn to about 10 people tonight uh, and just tell them one thing uh, that God's done for you in this place tonight. Come on, tell them, tell them one thing uh, that God's done for you in this place tonight. Tell them I've got a reason to rejoice tonight. I've got a reason to rejoice. Woo! Anybody grateful for feeling the presence of God like we do in this building tonight? Amen. You can be seated for just a brief moment. Welcome to Tuesday night at the Rock Church. My God, what an awesome presence of the Holy Ghost that we feel at work already in this house tonight. We are so grateful for everything that God has been doing. I want to take a moment to again say welcome to all of our guests that are here tonight. Would you lend me your hands and voice one more time, church? Come on, we can do a little bit better than that. Let's let our guests know how excited we are to see them here in the house of the Lord. 
Welcome, welcome to the Rock Church, to all those that are tuning in online tonight. We're excited that you've uh, tuned in to take a peek at what God is doing in this place. We have been sitting in heavenly places at the Rock Church. Amen. Anybody got a testimony that he's been taking you from faith to faith and from glory to glory? Amen. If you were here Sunday, I'm telling you, God showed up in such a powerful way. Sunday morning, uh, when the Holy Ghost finished around here, Adriana was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. And then yesterday afternoon, Francis was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. I saw her. She's here tonight. Well, there she is. Welcome home, Francis. God is moving in such a powerful way. I want us to take just a moment tonight, and uh, if you would just stand with me one more time in this house, uh, I, I want to take a special need uh, before the Lord tonight. Uh, I've got a very, very dear friend of mine uh, that has an urgent, urgent need, he and his family, and uh, I, I'm not at liberty tonight to, uh, to discuss any further details uh, but a tremendous, tremendous man of God that, uh, and his family that have an urgent need tonight. And we, you know that our God knows the need. And I want us to lift our hands and our voices tonight and, and stand on behalf of this man of God and his precious family tonight. Would you help me pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus. God, we call upon you tonight, God. And we ask that even right now as we stand in your presence, gathered together and assembled in this house tonight, that you would reach your hand down wherever he is at this very moment. God, that you would wrap your arms around him, that you would wrap your arms around his family, around his extended family, God that the peace of the Holy Ghost uh, would come upon them, God, that the strength uh, of the Holy Ghost would rest upon them tonight. God, I'm asking you, I'm asking you, let the comforter, let the comforter come tonight, God. We plead your blood over this family tonight. We stand on their behalf and pray for them. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Somebody give God a praise because we know that he hears us tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Remain standing if you would. We're going to go to the word of the Lord in just a moment. Uh, it was already announced, but let me just remind you that we've got lots and lots of supplies and a disaster relief goods that we want everybody in this building to be able to take advantage of. And so if you'll just pull your car right in front of the, the uh, meeting center tonight, which is just right out in front of the, uh, the church, you'll see them out there probably with cones and maybe even a, a yellow parking thing and a vest or something. Uh, we want to get those into the hands. Of, and uh, if you know a neighbor, maybe you don't need it, but you've got a neighbor or somebody, family member you know that needs it. We want them to have it tonight. Amen. As we continue to uh, work on uh, things flowing through this house into the community. Amen. Grab your Bibles. We're going to continue in our holiness series tonight. I'm excited about that and excited about diving into the word of the Lord
And uh, we're going to be going to the book of 1 Peter tonight, chapter number 2. <clears throat> and while you're turning to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 9, how many of you were here last week when we talked about let's have a conversation? Amen. And about our conversation being holy. I want to just add a little addendum tonight. I, I, I thought about this and uh, maybe I wasn't uh, as spiritually sensitive as I needed to be last week and forgot about it. I don't know. Uh, but God laid it on my heart and it really uh, should have went with last week. But I'm going to take a moment before we dive into our text tonight and I want to just can I just throw something in from last week tonight? Would that be all right? With no introduction or any of that kind of stuff. Last week we talked about a holy conversation. And we understand that when we receive the Holy Ghost, we no longer speak the way that we used to speak. Amen. Because that inner man is becoming sanctified. And our speech is tied to the thoughts, the mind, the inner man. And, and one of the things that happens when we receive the Holy Ghost, and here it is, I'm just going to put it out here, is we no longer use racial slurs. We no longer use racial epithets and slurs to refer to other people or even to our own ethnicity. I believe and am convinced, and it is a conviction of mine, that that is a sin to speak using that kind of language. I, am I in the right church tonight? It is a sin to use that kind of derogatory language. And I know it's popular in today's society to sanction that kind of language as long as we're referring to people of our own ethnic backgrounds. Somehow, somehow that nonsense has even crept into the church world. Preaching the truth. And we have somehow become convinced that as long as it's coming from me and I'm of a particular ethnic heritage that it somehow turns words that are, that are destructive and derogatory that somehow that becomes holy speech. Woo, I'm preaching real good. If you have the Holy Ghost, that kind of language should be eliminated out of your vocabulary. You shouldn't speak to yourself about yourself or about anybody else. I don't care what their ethnic heritage is. I don't care the color of their skin. I don't care what kind of food they like to eat. It don't matter. That language does not belong in the heart or the language of a Holy Ghost filled saint of God. Oh, that's, I'm preaching already better than you're shouting tonight. I don't care what society says. We don't take our cues from society. Society's on its way to hell. I don't care what has become the norm in the streets or the hood you may have came from. You've got a new hood. 
You've got, you don't live where you used to live. You're, you've got a new spirit and a new inner man and a new, come on somebody. And so those, those kind of words, those kind of slurs and, and statements and, and colloquialisms, they're gone when we got the Holy Ghost. Amen, somebody? Oh, you ought to give them one more good hand clap of praise. I know, I know this isn't how to get the service started tonight. I, I'm supposed to be pumping and priming you, but this is the kind of stuff that'll keep you saved. This will be the kind of stuff that'll make you a witness of the God that you serve. Amen, somebody. All right. Now, oh, I thank you for telling me that, but that's good preaching. It's good preaching. So there is the conclusion of last week's lesson. <laughs> On to this week. Amen. First Peter chapter 2 and verse number 9. First Peter chapter 2 verse number 9. Says, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy Nation, somebody say holy nation, not just a nation, but you are a holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him. Listen to this who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. He's called you out of an environment of darkness and he has called you into, somebody say into, an environment of light. Part of being a holy nation in this text is that he has caused us to change environments. And so for a few moments tonight, I simply want to preach about environment. Environment. Would you put your Bibles down one more time, clap your hands, and give God a great big praise all over this house tonight? Come on, are you excited about the word of the Lord in this house tonight? Glory, glory, glory. Amen. You may be seated. There is a powerful thematic principle in Scripture concerning environment that we can find all the way back in the book of Genesis. It is powerful to note if you begin to read in Genesis chapter number 1, the entire beginning of canonized text begins with our God creating an environment. Genesis 1 and 1 says, Ina the Beninging, that's just a personal joke for some of you, if you know, you know. Ina the Beninging. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. 
The first thing he created was not man, but he created environment. And the earth was without form and void. Listen to the condition of the environment. And darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Immediately, the first thing he changes about the environment uh, is he takes it from an environment uh, of darkness uh, into an environment uh, of light. And so this New Testament principle of God's people being children of light that have been called out of darkness, we find this very principle in the opening text of the Word of God wherein the Scripture declares that he changes the environment from an environment of darkness into an environment of light. And God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. I don't have time to preach all of this, but you find separation right here in the opening pages of the word of God because part of spiritual formation is coming out of darkness into light and it is the doctrine uh, of separation. Uh, he separates chaos from order. Uh, he separates darkness uh, from light. It is part uh, of the thematic principle uh, of God's word and his kingdom. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. And the evening and the morning were the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together into one place. And let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth. And the gathering together of the waters called he seas. And God saw that it was Good. Are you paying attention tonight? He is setting in order uh, the environment. Uh, not only is he ordering it, uh, but he is calling it by its description and its name. He is declaring authority uh, and power as the creator over the environment. Verse number 11, and God said, uh, let the earth bring forth uh, grass, the herb yielding seed, uh, and the fruit tree. Uh, yielding fruit after its kind whose seed is in itself upon the earth and it was so and the earth brought forth grass uh, and herb yielding seed after his kind and the tree uh, yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind and God saw uh, that it was good and the evening and the morning were the first day uh, and God said let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them from signs for seasons for days and years and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and it was so and God made two great lights the greater light to rule
ruled the day, the lesser to rule the night, and he made the stars also. God sent him in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon. Somebody give me five. Give me five. Give me five. Give me four. Give me three. Give me two. Give me. I'm just trying to hurry and redeem the time. Where was I? Verse 19. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day. And God said, let the waters, listen, here it is. Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creatures that have life and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of the heaven. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. What I am trying to point out to you tonight is that before God ever made the animal uh, he first created its environment uh, before he ever created a bird uh, he first created an atmosphere uh, for the bird to fly in uh, and he made trees uh, so that the bird could have nests uh, to live in uh, and before he ever made a cow uh, he made sure there was grass uh, for the cow to eat uh, and before he ever made all of the other animals uh, he made sure that there were lakes uh, and and oceans of water uh, for them to be able to drink from why uh, because environment uh, is critical uh, to life uh, you cannot have life uh, without the correct uh, environment uh, he could not have brought the creatures uh, of the living uh, into a, an environment of chaos uh, and expected them to live uh, he could not have brought living beings uh, into an earth that was chaotic and dark and expected life to be sustained because environment is everything when it comes to life. Amen. I don't have time to substantiate and read every one of these scriptures, but you can read it, this principle in scripture when you get home. And then, of course, in Genesis chapter 2, we read about the creation of man. But listen, the order in which God does things in chapter 2 of the book of Genesis and verse number 8, it says this, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. God forms man, and then God makes an environment to put him in. And verse number 9 says, and of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. And the tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And the river went out of Eden to water the garden and from thence it was parted and became into four heads. I don't have time to get into all of this but verse number 15 says and the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Before 
God uh, got man ready to live somewhere. Uh, he prepared uh, an environment. Uh, and the environment was conducive uh, to life. It had everything that man needed to live. And consequently, uh, when man disobeys God, uh, he is expelled uh, from the environment. Uh, he, he becomes a pollutant uh, of the environment of life. Uh, that God created. Are you with me tonight? And so put your finger there mentally, and I want to deviate from that for just a moment tonight to set some spiritual context to this. You understand that environments go so much further than what we can see with the naked eye. When we think of environments, we often think of what we can observe with our ocular uh, capability, but, but there, is, there are dimensions to environment. For example, when I use the word supernatural, what do we think of? Did somebody say ghosts? Ghosts. We know there's only one ghost. And his name's not Casper. The ghost is a returned spirit of a departed human being. And there's only one spirit that ever returned after it died. And that was the Holy Ghost. What people call ghosts are demonic apparitions and manifestations of demons. Hey, this is a good spot to sit here and talk about Halloween. This is the month of October. I, I, I'm sorry to, 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 to have to even address this, but in today's church world, the church has strayed so far from its spiritual sensitivity that I've got to stand up in a pulpit and, and preach to God's people that we have no business celebrating Halloween. Amen. We have no business if you took even 30 minutes of your time to do a very quick study of Halloween and what it represents and its origins and its significance in the realm of the demonic, you would understand that quick why no apostolic Holy Ghost filled saint of God should ever dress up in costumes and celebrate in any kind of way anything that has to do with Halloween or Hallow's Eve, or in Mexico, uh, is it La Dia de, de, de Muerte? The Day of the Dead. It is a, as a matter of fact, you can look it up when you get home. Antoine, anybody know who Antoine LaVey is? Considered the founder of the Satanic Church. He wrote that Halloween is the one day a year where Christians join hands with the practices of the satanic. And so let me just drop this in. This isn't even what tonight's lesson's about, but let me just drop it in here real gentle. When you receive the Holy Ghost, you don't need any of that stuff anymore. There are no tricks. Come on, and there are no treats. 
I don't have time. We'd be here for we'd be here all night if I started diving into the significance of costumes even and what they mean and signify. They wear them because they, I guess here I go. Uh, they wear them because they believe that they can somehow hide from the evil spirits that are loosed into society on Halloween night. Uh, and so it is sent to disguise them so that they are not torn. There's so much when you get into all of it and, 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 and we think it's just innocent dressing up little Johnny and, and our little girl. No, no, no. We are participating in something that is culturally demonic. And we don't have to try to mimic the world by having our own version of Halloween. We, we ain't trying to imitate the world. We don't even need our version. Come on, somebody. Amen. That's right, I'll go get a Twix all day long if I want one. <laughs> and so, let me get back to my sermon. When I say the word supernatural, sometimes we complicate its meaning, but the word super is a, a, a word that when you add it to another word like supernatural, it simply means beyond. To superimpose means to impose beyond. To super anything, to, to uh, I, I, I don't want to get into an English lesson, to supersonic, beyond sonic. And so to say supernatural means that it is beyond natural. Did you know that every time you get in an airplane to fly somewhere, that is supernatural? We're not meant to fly. We weren't, we weren't born to fly. We don't have wings. And so the act of flying is something that is beyond natural. And any time that you participate in something that is supernatural, natural, you have to be mindful of the laws that govern that environment. Are you with me? If you're going to fly in an airplane, there are laws, the, the laws of aeronautics and other laws that come into play regarding uh, air flight that if you do not know them and you do not respect them, uh, you will not live in that environment because you are not designed to exist and so you have to understand thrust and lift and what it takes to remain in the air and not crash and you have to understand the uh, how that air pressure works and as you gain elevation uh, you have to pressurize the cabin because if it's not pressurized you go so high that the lack of oxygen and the air pressure will kill you and so there's all of these laws of physics that, that come into place that you have to be aware of and you have to obey them and respect them if you're not going to die in that environment. If you were to, to, to scuba dive, that is supernatural. You're not equipped by God to swim under the ocean for an hour or longer at a time. And so there are laws that govern uh, that 
environment that you have to be aware of the the pressure of the water the deeper you go and what that does to uh, oxygen molecules they are compressed and so the further you go down the volume that oxygen takes up is reduced further and further why is that important uh, you, you, for example you got to make sure that when you're ascending that you don't hold your breath because the air you are breathing at lower uh, depths in the ocean is compressed and so you take in a breath of air that's this much and hold it as you rise that air begins to expand because of the reduction of pressure your lungs will literally explode in your chest and so one of the rules to survival in scuba diving how do I know I'm a certified scuba diver is you always keep breathing you have to understand the way the body works. It's not designed to be deep in the water that way. And, and, and as you come up out of the water, your body is trying to expel nitrogen, but it can't get rid of the nitrogen fast enough for a normal ascension. And so if you come up too quick, you'll get compression sickness and, and you can get the bends. You can die from that. And so you have to, there's a mathematical calculation that, that you have to understand about uh, safety stops and for so many feet, for so many, so much amount of time, I've got to stop so often at different depths uh, to allow my body to release the nitrogen so that it's not trapped when I come up out of. And so, all of these laws and rules govern this supernatural environment. Why do I say that? Because you have to understand, as a child of God, that in the natural, there are supernatural dimensions uh, to the environments uh, that you and I live in. Uh, and once you receive the Holy Ghost, uh, you, you, you understand your eyes are open to the fact uh, that you are not a human body uh, having a spiritual experience, uh, but you are a spiritual being uh, having a bodily experience. Uh, and the world of the supernatural uh, is quite literally more real uh, than even the physical world uh, that you and I live in today. Uh, and so there is an awareness uh, that when I put myself uh, in particular environments uh, that I have to understand uh, the dynamic of the environment. Not every environment is conducive uh, to life. Not every environment is designed uh, to support spirituality. Uh, not every environment is designed uh, to sustain godly living. Uh, and so if you're going to live a life, uh, God said I'm going to call you uh, out of darkness. I'm going to call you uh, out of darkness environments. I'm going to call you out of dimensions of wickedness and demonic control and demonic influence. And I am going to call you into new dimensions that are ruled by light and life sustaining elements that are conducive to righteous living. You begin to learn I can't go everywhere I used to go. Let me rephrase that. I make the choice that I don't want to go the places uh, that I used to go uh, because my eyes have been opened uh, and I realize that that's not just a good old time at a party uh, but it is a cauldron of demonic activity uh, and because I've got that revelation uh, there are some environments uh, that I understand are not holy uh, environments. Uh, they are not conducive to being uh, a holy uh, nation uh, that has been called out of darkness.
And so we, we, we become, we get revelation concerning environments and the supernatural environments that we must navigate as children of God. There are particular laws that govern the supernatural that if you ignore them, if you do not live by them, you will not survive spiritually. When you are born again, that word again in the scripture means born from above. When you are born again, it is not just a natural man in the natural world, but the spiritual man uh, is now alive in Christ Jesus. Uh, and you're not just walking in and out of buildings and neighborhoods, uh, but every day that you live, uh, you're walking in and out uh, of spiritual uh, environments. And there are laws that govern those environments. One of the, the laws, the spiritual laws of the supernatural that if you don't understand it, you will not live. You will not make it as a child of God. And that is the law of prayer. I said that is the law of prayer. You cannot sustain a life living for God without praying. Come on, somebody. The Bible says that the carnal mind is the enemy of God. Just your fleshly man in nature is the enemy of God. It is not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. Another place the writer said that the carnal mind or carnal thinking is to be carnally minded is death and there is only one way uh, to overcome carnal thinking uh, and that is through Holy Ghost praying. Uh, you've got to pray uh, in the Holy Ghost. That's how the Bible says uh, that our minds uh, are renewed. Uh, if something has to be renewed, uh, that means it's because it's constantly uh, under the context of an expiration uh, and if it is not renewed, uh, it will die. Uh, if your spiritual man is not renewed, uh, you will die spiritually uh, in this environment. Uh, and so you've got to pray. Uh, and if, you're, if your life uh, it only exists of praying uh, on Sundays and Tuesdays, uh, your life will be anemic spiritually. Uh, you're gasping for breath, uh, barely trying to make it. Uh, and you will not live the life uh, of dominion and power uh, and anointing uh, that God has designed you to live in. Uh, but if you understand the revelation uh, of what happens in Holy Ghost praying uh, then every day uh, you walk with dominion in the environment uh, you live a life thriving uh, in the environment that God has called you to live in uh, come on somebody uh, if you're going to be what God wants you to be uh, you've got to learn uh, how to pray it is the lifeline to the spiritual man. For example, and I don't have time, I, we'd be here for hours and hours and hours trying to exhaust this subject. But there's another law that's an important law to understand and, and study its principles in Scripture, and those are the laws of spiritual authority. There are laws concerning spiritual authority. 
in the word of God that if you don't understand them and you, you neglect them, you disobey them, then you begin to subject yourself uh, to the dangers uh, of the spiritual environment uh, that you live in. If you don't believe me, uh, just ask the seven sons of Sceva in the book of Acts uh, who saw the authority and the power of the disciples. Uh, and so they walked up to some devils uh, and tried to cast them out. Uh, and the devils stripped their clothes off of them uh, and booted them out of the house uh, and said, Paul we know uh, and Jesus we know, uh, but who are you? Uh, you have no authority. Uh, you have no power uh, because you cannot have authority uh, if you are not under uh, authority. Uh, oh, come on somebody. Can I just preach this for a minute? Uh, the Bible says it like this. Uh, submit to God. Uh, resist the devil. Uh, and he will flee uh, from you. Uh, your power to resist the devil uh, in that arena uh, lies in your ability uh, to submit to God. Uh, your level of submission uh, gives you a proportionate level uh, of resistance uh, against the enemy. Uh, and if there's no submission to God uh, and his authority, uh, you have no power to resist. Uh, I call it spiritual aids. Uh, acquired immune deficiency syndrome. Uh, your resistance system uh, is broke down uh, and so demons uh, push you around at will uh, and demons uh, mess with your mind and torment you uh, at their own will uh, and you walk around subjugated uh, with no power to fight it. Uh, every time you turn around uh, you're being bombarded. I'll tell you uh, what you need is to find a place in your life uh, to get up underneath uh, authority uh, and to the degree uh, that you are submitted to authority uh, God will give you authority uh, to stand up against the devil uh, and resist him uh, and when you resist him uh, he uh, will uh, flee uh, from you somebody ought to put the devil on the run tonight uh, somebody ought to make up in your mind uh, I'm going to live a life uh, of submission to God I'm going to live a life uh, up under authority. Uh, why? Because it causes me uh, to live the way God intended for me to live uh, in a spiritual uh, environment. Oh, yes. Ask Saul, who kept embracing a mindset that I don't have to do it the way the man of God told me to do it. I know just as good as he did. I mean, we can give you multiple examples. Ask, ask Moses' sister and, and all of them who said, we hear from God just like he does. We can do it just as good as he does. I ain't got to listen to what he says. And what happens when you ignore the principles of that supernatural environment? You endanger yourself. The man of God turns to Saul and says, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. He subjugated himself to the dangers of the spiritual environment because he kept trying to operate in them and ignoring their principles. And so we find him sitting in the house of a witch and he cannot even tell the difference between a demonic apparition and a man of God. 
Uh, you find people who live long enough in rebellion, uh, and you'll be surprised at what they call the voice of God. You, you find people who live in rebellion long enough, uh, and you'll be surprised at the counsel uh, that they'll listen to. Uh, you'll be surprised at the influence uh, that they open themselves up to uh, and literally don't have any reasoning uh, or understanding to let them know uh, that it is not godly influence. And so, natural environments have spiritual implications and and we 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 have a revelation that we have to be careful what we subject ourselves to because when we put ourselves in particular environments we subject ourselves to the effects of that environment and there are simply uh, some environments uh, that are toxic uh, and they are detrimental uh, to my walk uh, with God. Adam and Eve ignored the principles of the environment they were in. And it caused them to be separated. If you look in the book of Exodus chapter 6, Verse number one, now before we go there, you, you know that Egypt in scripture is always a type of the world. And Pharaoh is always a type of Satan. And so here is what the Lord tells us in Exodus 6 and 1. Then the Lord said unto Moses, now thou shalt see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. Why is he doing this? Because they have lived up under the lordship of Pharaoh. And so God is reestablishing the truth that Pharaoh is not God, but I am God alone. Uh, come on, somebody. Uh, he said, I am uh, the Lord. Uh, and I appeared unto Abraham, uh, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob uh, by the name of God Almighty. Uh, but by my name, Jehovah, uh, was I not known to them. Uh, and I have also established my covenant with them. Uh, listen, uh, to give them uh, the land uh, of Canaan. I love that. Uh, he is speaking to them uh, while they are in the environment of Egypt uh, and is letting them know uh, that I already have uh, a different environment prepared for you. Uh, while you're in an environment of bondage, uh, I've already prepared a place of blessing. Uh, and while you're living up under demonic oppression, uh, I've already prepared for you uh, a life that will blow your mind. Uh, and while you're over here begging and borrowing uh, and stealing, uh, I've prepared a land that flows uh, with milk and honey. I came to preach to somebody. I don't know where you're at tonight, uh, but if you only knew uh, what God has prepared for you, uh, you turn your back on Egypt and the world uh, and say, you can have everything. Uh, I'll take what God has for me. Uh, yeah. 
I've established my covenant with them to give them uh, the land uh, of Canaan. Uh, and I have also heard the groaning uh, of the children of Israel uh, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage. Uh, and I have remembered my covenant. Uh, wherefore say uh, unto the children of Israel, here it is, uh, I am the Lord uh, and I uh, will bring uh, you uh, out. Uh, out from where? Uh, from under the burdens uh, of the Egyptians. Uh, I'm going to bring you out uh, of the environment uh, of bondage uh, and I will rid you uh, out uh, of their bondage uh, and I will redeem you uh, with a stretched out arm uh, and with great uh, God said, uh, I don't care how far away you are, uh, you're never outside of my reach. Uh, I don't care how far you went in life. Uh, I don't care how far down the hole you fell. Uh, my arm is not short uh, and my promises uh, are not slack. Uh, I'm going to come for you uh, with a stretched uh, out uh, arm. Verse 7 he says, and I will take you to me for a people. Remember our first lesson. Holiness is about ownership. You're my people. I'm going to take you to me for a people and I will be to you a God. When you get me, you won't need the gods of Egypt any longer. Oh, that's how powerful I am. You could take their millions of God and they still don't compare to the one true and living God. You can turn in all of your Egyptian gods and when you get me, you've got all the God that you'll ever need uh, you'll be my people uh, and I will be uh, you to you a uh, God uh, and ye shall know uh, that I am the Lord your God uh, which bringeth you uh, out uh, from under the burdens uh, of the Egyptians uh, the first thing I want you to remember uh, is that I called you out of that environment uh, the first thing I want you to remember uh, is I brought you out of darkness uh, the first thing I want you to remember is like Genesis 1. When I found you, it was chaos. When I found you, it was darkness. When I found you, you were up. You see, that's the problem with some people is they forget where they were when God found them. But God said the first thing out of my mouth is I am the God that brought you out of darkness from under the burdens of of the Egyptians. And I love verse number eight because he didn't just say that he was going to bring you out. He said, and I will bring you in. God didn't save you just to bring you out, but he prepared a place to bring you into. My God, somebody ought to shout over that right now. He didn't deliver you just to get you away from your old friends and in environment, uh, but he prepared something for you uh, that's greater uh, than anything uh, the world could ever offer you. Uh, he prepared something that's going to blow uh, your mind. Uh, I will bring you uh, into the land uh, concerning the which uh, I did swear to give it to you, uh, to Abraham, uh, to Isaac, and to Jacob, uh, and I will give it to you uh, for inheritance. Uh, 
I am the Lord. I don't want you in that land anymore. I don't want you in a land that worships idols. I don't want you hanging out with people who make superstars out of porn stars and sports stars and rap stars. I don't want you living in an environment that idolizes wickedness and polytheism. I'm going to bring you into an environment where I am God all by myself. Somebody ought to shout. I'm going to bring you into an environment where nobody else is the king. I'm going to bring you into an environment where there's a new culture where I'm the king. I'm going to deliver you out of Pharaoh's hand and I'm going to deliver you out of Pharaoh's land. And in Exodus 20 and 2, he says, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. This is the thematic principle that is reinforced over and over again in the Old Testament. And then we pick it up in the New Testament, uh, our text in 1 Peter 2 and 9. Uh, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God said, that's why you got to shout. That's why I want you to run. That's why I want you to dance. That's why I want the stringed instruments and the trumpets and the harps. Why? I want you to declare to the world that I brought you out. Oh, I can tell somebody that's a true worshiper because they never forget where God brought them from and they never stop praising him. You want to know why I'm running the aisles? Because over 30 years later, I'm still thankful that God set me free. You want to know why I still dance after I lived for God all these years? Because I never forgot the addictions that he broke. And I never forgot the depression he delivered me from. And I never forgot the burdens that he lifted. And I never forgot the curse that he broke over my you should show forth the praise of him that hath called you out my God you have no business not giving God the praise you don't have a license to be a non-praiser when God set you free when God delivered you you've got a mandate to give God the praise Come on. I remember the environment he brought me out of. He brought me out of the abuse. He brought me out of the addiction. He brought me out of the confusion. He brought me out of the temptation. Somebody that's come out ought to give God a praise. Somebody that's been delivered ought to take a moment tonight and just shout because God has brought you out.
Yeah. Your praise ought to be commensurate uh, with his deliverance in your life. Uh, your praise uh, ought to be commensurate uh, with the level of deliverance. Uh, some of y'all, he's been better to you uh, than you're giving him praise tonight. Uh, you better not sit there, girl. Uh, you better not sit there, sir, uh, with everything God's done for you. Uh, don't you ever forget it. Uh, you better give God uh, your best praise. Uh, you better thank God, you're saved by the word of your testimony. Hey, Jesus, I'll never forget what you've done for me. God forbid that the longer you live for God, the more sedentary you become in your praise. You should never lose that first generation fire. God forbid that worshiping God becomes old hat to you. God forbid that Holy Ghost praise and worship becomes mundane and routine to you. No! I pray that next year I got more praise in me than I've ever had before. I want to praise him more now than I did the day I was. Why? Because every year that goes by I've got a greater revelation of just how good he is. Every year that goes by I've got an even greater revelation of how powerful you should show forth the praises of him that called you out of darkness into his marvel. That's the God you serve. He declared in Jeremiah 29 11 that I know the plans I have for you. I know you're all messed up, but I got plans for you. You ever met anybody that had an old hoopty in their front yard? If you haven't, it's because you're that person. Busted down. Three wheels, duct tape on the back door. You say, man, what's that thing sitting for? Man, one of these days. One of these days, I'm going to fix that thing up, man. Come on, one, one of these days. I got plans for that thing. Woo! I'm going to put it on some 22s. It's going to be a donk. I'm going to put some, yeah, three-stage paint job. Yo, it's going to have 12-inch punch subs in the back. Yo, I'm going to put some switches. What's happening? They got plans. That's what God said when he walked up on you and you were in chaos and darkness was upon the face of the deep. God looked at the devil and said, you thought you destroyed him, but I'm going to show you. Here's my plans for them. I got plans to prosper them. I got plans to give them a hope. I got plans.
my God, somebody ought to shout tonight over the plans of God for your life. I'm preaching to somebody. Your world, it may have been upside down, but just keep living for God because he's got plans for you, plans to prosper you, plans to give you hope and the future. And so, the Holy Ghost guides me in the environments that I walk in. The old timers would say it like this. They'd say, the places I used to go, I don't go there no more. Tell your neighbor, the places I used to go, I don't go there no more. When I got the Holy Ghost, I quit going to the club. Why? Because I don't need that environment. They don't even know why they're dancing. They're driven by the lust of their flesh. But baby, when I dance, it's because God redeemed me. And when you get the Holy Ghost and you got the house of God, you don't need the club anymore, baby. I came to somebody ought to give them a Come on, some of y'all used to dance in the club and now God fills you with the Holy Ghost. Don't stop dancing. Just change your reason for dancing tonight. Some of y'all used to do the... So I'm going to date myself. The running man the cabbage patch, the Roger Rabbit. That's 90s stuff. I'm, I'm afraid to even talk about what they do now. I mean, you used to break it all the way down. And now you got the Holy Ghost and you sit on the pew like God ain't ever done nothing for you. You better hear me. We did not get dancing from the world. The world perverted dancing from God's people. Dancing is a form of worship. Baby, there ought to be more dancing going on in the church house than there is in the clubhouse. Come on, I don't care if you spin around. I don't care if you run in place. Wave your hands in the air. You better give God the praise because you're no longer in that environment. God brought you into an environment of life and an environment of hope, an environment of peace. Somebody shout yes. Shout yes. Shout yes. I don't need to go to parties anymore to have a good time because there's nothing there that even compares with what I get in the house of God because ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because a Holy Ghost party won't stop when we leave here on Sunday I still party on Monday and I party on Tuesday and I party on Wednesday and I party on Thursday 
and I speak in tongues on Friday uh, and I shout in my living room uh, on Saturday uh, oh Holy Ghost when I got the Holy Ghost I quit going to the stadiums and participating in idol worship I don't care if it's pro level or the high school team. That's the sanctuaries of the world. Promoting their stars and super. You know what that is? That's nothing but Satan. I will be like the most high. I will ascend. That's that's the that's the that's the ideologies of Satan. Uh, I don't need to go there anymore. Why? Because uh, God brought me out of Egypt, uh, and I understand there are no gods uh, but my God, uh, and He's the only one I'm going to give praise to. Uh, he's the only one I'm going to worship. And. So, one of the biggest problems and challenges that God had with his people was their proclivity to want to keep going back to that environment. They kept saying, it would have been better for us. They kept saying, manna again? Give us the leeks and the onions of Egypt. And it made God angry. He called it the day of provocation. After everything I did for you, how dare you going to walk back into that environment? My God. After I brought blood and I brought frogs and I brought locusts and I moved the sea apart and I killed the firstborn after everything I did for you. You understand, I believe that's why he had them eat the Passover the way he did. All bitter and burnt because the last taste in their mouth when they left Egypt, he said, I want them to remember how bitter Egypt was. I want them to remember how messed up it was. Come on, there's a problem with humanity that we get short-term memory. We live for God and all of a sudden the devil comes knocking and we get tempted to go back and we forgot about the pain he brought us out of and we forgot about the depression and the sorrow and the discouragement. Baby, you better never forget what God's done for you. You better never forget where he brought you from. Come on, somebody. I don't know why y'all acting crazy. We're in Bible study tonight. Holiness to boot. I don't know who said you can't have this kind of church preaching holiness. And so, they kept getting in trouble. And... God had to remind them, it's not just about where I brought you out of, but it's about where I'm taking you. It's not hard to leave Egypt when you have a Canaan land in front of you. Don't go back to the bar 
after I filled you with the Holy Ghost. Don't take dips of that stuff trying to catch a buzz when all you need to do is pray and I'll give you more of a buzz than tobacco could ever do. Quit putting needles in your arm trying to accomplish what only you'll find in my presence. All of that stuff is a lie of the devil. A cheap imitation that's designed to destroy you. Don't go dance at the club after I delivered you. Don't put Dagon next to me. I'll knock him in the floor. There's no other gods. And so, I'm trying to hurry. And so, environment is critical to life. You understand that when you buy plants, you have to understand the environment that they're designed to live in. There are particular plants that require lots of sunshine and not too much water. And if you take that plant and you put it where there's shade and you give it too much water, the plant will die because life is environmentally sensitive. And you have to understand that if you're going to be what God called you to be, you can't keep putting yourself in environments that are not conducive to living for him. There are certain environments that if you keep putting yourself in them, they are working against your walk with God. This is one of the reasons we have a Christian school. Because we are doing everything in our power to give parents an opportunity to get their babies out of toxic environments. Drag queens giving book reports every week. Mandatory lessons about, about genderism. Mandatory exposure. To, they're teaching your kids to disregard your authority. They're teaching your babies that there is no God. They're teaching your children what's happening. You leave them in that environment long enough and you'll wonder why at 13 years old they're not interested in living for God anymore. And they're not interested. Why? Because you've allowed them to sit. I'm not backing up one inch. I'm preaching to you right now. Mark the day down. Mark the year down. You need to get your children out of the public school system as fast as you can. And you need to either teach them at home or get them in an apostolic school where they can be in the right. Your babies are too precious. They're too tender. They're too vulnerable. You cannot leave them in that environment and expect something positive to happen. And so as you walk with God, you understand, I now have to become discriminate about the environments I put myself in because I want to be what God's called me to be. Come on. How many of you understand that people are a part of environment? What makes this church apostolic? 
Is it the sign out on the front of the building? No. It's the people inside of it living an apostolic life. People are one of the most powerful forms of environment. And so you have to understand that sometimes God calls us out from the people we associate with. Come on. I'm preaching the word of God. God said, I'm not going to save you in Egypt. I'm going to bring you out of Egyptian. I don't want you influenced by their culture. I don't want you influenced by their mindsets. I don't want you influenced by their laws. Come on, I'm bringing you out. What did he tell Abraham? Don't just come out from your country, but come out from your family. Come out from your kinsfolk. I'm going to make you a new generation. I'm going to make you a new family. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody uh, in the building. Part of God calling you out of darkness will be him calling you out from some of the people you associate with. You can't keep spending time if you're trying to break drug addiction, hanging out with drug addicts. Well, who's going to help them? Not you, not now. <laughs> who's going to save them? Let, let me stop here for a moment. Number one, you can't save anybody. I said you can't save anybody. Only God can save people. Furthermore, you can't make up anybody's mind for them. And you have to be honest with yourself. God doesn't use everybody to reach every person. God knows the right person to use to reach people. Some, <laughs> some of you young ladies, these guys come talking to you. And you're like, I'm going to win them to Jesus. No, you ain't. Because while you want to teach them a Bible study, really, in, in your heart, you want them to be your boo. And you haven't got enough spiritual maturity yet for you not to be attracted to something uh, that's not yet godly. You know what you need to do? You need to get away and introduce him uh, to somebody in the church, uh, a godly brother, uh, and get out of the way uh, and stop being a stumbling block uh, for God trying to reach them. Uh, you could be the reason uh, that they don't come into church uh, because you're distracting them uh, with your unbridled emotions and desires. And I'm going to take the opportunity tonight to stand in the face of that demonic ideology of flirt to convert. That's a lie from the pit of hell. And I don't care who tells you you flirt to convert. That's a demonic deception. Just ask Samson. He didn't come out converting anybody. He lost his consecration with God. He lost his eyesight, 
and lost his life. And so God will call you away from people. God may tell you it's time to say goodbye to that boyfriend. Time to say goodbye. They're not headed the same direction you are. It's time to say goodbye to that girl. She's not what God has. Come on, somebody. Put her in God's hands and walk into God's hands. As a matter of fact, one of the fundamental principles that we read in Genesis is the idea of separation. And plainly in Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, he said, Wherefore, come out from among them, people, your clique, your crew, friendships. Jesus said, Except you leave, mother, brother, sister, father, whatever, you're not worthy. God said, one of the tests of you giving your life to me is your willingness to say, God, anything that's not following you, I can't be attached to it. I'm preaching about environments. Abraham didn't just leave his country. He left the people he associated with. Let me, let me end here tonight, and, and, and I got so much more that there's no way to get to, but I'm not going to take this to part two, and I'm going to finish right here. It's only 9.10. I've taught this many, many times, but, but somebody needs to get, catch this tonight. The importance of environment, Psalm chapter 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Tell your neighbor the counsel of the ungodly. You want to be blessed? Don't get in the environment of ungodly counsel. <laughs> counsel that contradicts scripture is evil communication. <laughs> counsel <laughs> that contradicts God's authority in your life is not godly counsel. <laughs> counsel that promotes disobedience is not godly counsel. I don't know why I feel this from the Holy Ghost. You better become good at inspecting fruit. Why in the world would you take counsel from somebody whose life does not represent a life sold out to the things of God. Why would you listen to them? Why would you take advice from people who are not, not submitted to the man of God, who are disobedient, who are not fake, come on, who have a nasty attitude, they don't bear the fruits? Why would they become your BFF? The fact that you're spending time with them speaks about what's inside of you. You have inside of you what you are attracted to. And it's not scripture, but it should be birds of a feather. Funny how disgruntled people find each other. Never were friends before until they both end up in the segment of disobedience. All of a sudden, they come together and become a party crew. 
I'm going to tell you right now, a backslider does not have the ability to give you godly counsel. Their life is not in a condition that qualifies them. Both, okay, you want scripture for it? Both sweet and bitter water cannot come from the same fountain. You can't live a life being backslid and produce godly counsel. You can love them, you can be kind to them, but it better stop with their counsel to you. I'm not taking advice from them. I'm not following after their example. Uh, I'm not participating in their extracurricular. No, 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 no. Why? Uh, because I got to protect uh, the environment of spiritual life. Uh, I got to make it to heaven. Uh, my family's got to make it to heaven. Uh, my baby's got, I can't, come on. Let me just stop here for a moment. I feel the Holy Ghost stopping me. Eve would have never fallen if she wouldn't have been having the wrong conversation with the wrong person. The moment that serpent said, is that what God said? That should have been her cue. This conversation's over right here. Conversation's through, Brother Michael. We're not going any further in the conversation. Why? I'm not risking my spiritual well-being. Come on. And if, you don't, and if you don't think there's danger, one of the reasons that people are backslid is they're deceived. And if you entertain it, that spirit of deception will get a hold of you. God calls us out. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinner. Don't participate. I don't have time to get into this in depth, but don't participate. Don't be associated with and connect yourself with activities and people that are not godly, that are not living for God, that are worldly. Your closest circle of friends should not be people that are not living for God. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody. If all of your closest friends uh, are people that do not live for God, you're putting yourself in a precarious situation. Nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Go look at the word scornful when you get home. People that are always finding fault with everything. It's too loud. It's too quiet. It's too hot. It's too cold. It's too light. It's too dark. Why don't they do this? Why can't I'm gonna tell you what that, that's a scornful person. Don't sit in the seat of the scornful. Why? It's a toxic environment. And if you want to be blessed. According to Psalm 1, you're not going to sit in the seat of the scornful. You're not going to stand in the way of the sinful. You're not going to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. There's the inner man. And he shall be like a tree 
planted. You've heard me preach it before, but I, I always have to stop there. It's one of my favorite parts of the scripture. In the wild, trees are not planted. They germinate wherever the squirrel drops the seed or the wind blows the seed. To be planted is indicative of a divine hand that has a plan and a strategy for location. You're not going to be a tree that's just trying to survive with the circumstances you were handed by life. No, 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 no. If you'll protect it, God didn't, oh my God, God didn't protect the environment. He gave you the commandment to protect the environment. You got to make the choice. Come on, you got to make the decision uh, not to walk, stand, or sit in those environments. And if you'll make that choice, uh, then I'll plant you uh, in an environment. Uh, you're going to be like a tree uh, by the rivers uh, of water. I'm going to put your root system uh, next to everything you need uh, to become and reach uh, your full potential uh, of blessing. And, uh, that's how God wants you to live. Uh, when you'll protect the environment you live in, uh, God will bring you into the environment uh, that he prepared for you. Uh, God will plant you in the, he'll put you in the Canaan land uh, that'll cause you to prosper. Uh, and you'll have houses you didn't build uh, and vineyards you didn't plant uh, and rivers that flow. I just need about 50 witnesses uh, in the building. Uh, let's stand all over this house. It's only 918. I want us to come as close as we can to the altar tonight. Part of being a holy nation and part of living a life of holiness is understanding that God is going to help direct my paths and I'm going to submit my choices to protect the environments that I put myself in. I have to steward. Sir, you're a steward of the environment of your home. All the brothers said amen. Your home ought to be a place of peace. Your home ought to be a place of trust. Your home ought to be a place of safety. Because it's an environment that your babies are coming up in. Your children should never have to ask the question, are we going to church tonight? Come on, this is good preaching. Mom and dad, if your children ever ask you, are we going to church tonight? You got problems. There's problems going on in the home. And 99% chance that mom and dad is where the problem has started. The fact that they're even wondering, mom and dad, is a, is a, a smear on your testimony. Mom and dad, do, do we really have to do this? When the language of have to begins to crop up in a home, there's toxins that have in, in, come into the environment. There's voices. There's influences. There's problems that have begun to spring up. When you're doing it God's way, it's never, it's always, we get to. It's excitement. I can't wait until we get to. I can't wait to. Mom and dad, can we go to church early? Uh, Mom and dad, can we go? I know it's Wednesday night, but there's some young people. Can I? I want to go. Mom and dad, can we? Come on. Come on. I'm preaching. Mom and dad, listen to me. Listen to your pastor. I'm begging you. Please don't ever use the church 
or the kingdom of God as punishment for your children. Please, the assembling of God's people and the things of God are not a punishment. You are breeding the wrong thing into your babies and your children's lives. There are a million ways to discipline your children. And if they're having problems, the best place for them to be. You ought to drug your kids. Drug them to the house of God. Come on, you going to a prayer meeting, boy. You're going to act like that? We're going to go. I know it's not Thursday night. It's Wednesday night. We're going to the church to pray. We're going to go pray till we pray through. Come on, somebody. I want us to lift our hands all over this house tonight, and I want us to pray. I want us to allow God's word to settle into our spirit tonight. God, in the name of Jesus. God, we've assembled in this house tonight under the auspices of your word, Jesus. God, tonight we lift our hands and we lift our heart as we surrender to the authority of your word tonight, God. God, tonight your word is not falling on fallow ground, but tonight we're taking your word, God, and we're hiding it in our hearts that we might not sit against you. God, right now with our hands lifted to you, God, we're opening ourselves and we want your word to settle deep into our spirit God let it become a part of who we are let it become a part of how we live and how we think oh God from the very beginning God you created an environment of blessing and an environment of life you created an environment God that we could have life and not death God in the name of come on right now somebody begin to lift your voice all over this house tonight in the name of Jesus God help me help me to live in a holy environment God help me to help me to clean up my house and my home God every day that I live help me to walk God give me wisdom about the relationships about the friendships that I entertain God, give me wisdom concerning uh, the company that I keep. God. Come on, in the name of Jesus, that's it. Somebody ought to take a few moments right here. Somebody ought to take a few moments right here. Let it be so. Let it be so in my life, God. Let it be so. Come on. Come on, he's called you out. He's called you out. He's called, come on, nothing uh, can compare uh, to what God has for you. Uh, nothing can compare uh, to what God has prepared for you. Uh, nothing can prepare. Uh, come on, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Yes. We say yes. 